Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today, taking your calls and texts over the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, or if there's something going on in your life that you'd like to talk about and ask what God's Word has to say about it, we'd love to discuss that with you, or if you have a prayer request and just something that you would just like prayed for. We'd love to pray for you and, and have all the listeners uh, listening all over the different listening areas be able to agree with that and say amen. So um, give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897 is the text line and 303-690-3000 is the call-in line. Here at the beginning of the show is always kind of the best time to call in because this is when we have um, all open lines usually. And towards the end of the show, we tend to the, the calls tend to get a little bit backed up. So if you would like to call in with your question, we'd love to have you call. And now's a great time to do it. We want to welcome all of those of you listening uh, wherever you're tuning in today from, whether you're listening here in Colorado or in Wyoming on Grace FM. Our, our broadcast range goes all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming, down to Pueblo, Colorado. So if you're listening on the Front Range on Grace FM, we are so glad that you tuned in today. Welcome to the program. We also want to greet those of you who are listening on our syndicated stations. We're so happy and excited to be syndicated on Hope FM on the East Coast in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, and also on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Just a reminder to those of you listening on the East Coast and in Tennessee area that you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. So we'd still love for you to call in and ask your questions, and then you'll be able to tune in the next week and hear yourself on the radio, and uh, you can tell your friends to tune in as well. So just a reminder, you're hearing the show on a one-week delay on the syndicated stations, but here in Colorado and Wyoming, you're hearing it live on Grace FM. And also, we know there's so many of you who tune in via our mobile app and uh, through the website. So welcome to the program, those of you who are tuning in online. And if you don't have that app, I encourage you to get it. You can listen to the show live anywhere in the world over the Internet. Just go into your app store, type in Grace FM. It'll come right up. And you can also listen anytime in the browser. Just go to gracefm.com. It'll come right up, and you can click that button that says Listen Live, and you can tune in to any of the programs here on Grace FM as well as this one. The number to call, once again, 303-690-3000. or text us, 720-336-0897. Nine, seven. Just a few words about myself. I am your host every Monday here on Calvary Live, and I fill in a little bit. This week I'll be filling in a few other days as well. And I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont, Colorado. We meet right in downtown Longmont. So if you're familiar with Longmont, we'd love to have you come visit us if you're in the area. Um, we meet at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. It's in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is pretty well-known building here in downtown Longmont. It's kind of the center of a lot of things that happen in our city, and so we're really blessed to be right there in the heart of the, heart of the city. Um, 
the building is at the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street, just one block west of Main Street on uh, Longs Peak Avenue. So we're right on the corner of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park here in downtown Longmont. And we'd love to have you come visit us if you're in the area or if you're in any of the surrounding communities, whether you're in uh, Berthet or, or Mead, Frederick, Firestone, Dakono, that Carbon Valley area, uh, Erie, Lafayette, Gun Barrel, um, what's nearby, Niwot, Lyons, North Boulder. If you're in any of those areas, we'd love to have you come visit us on a Sunday morning. We meet at 10 a.m. here in downtown Longmont and our website so you can get directions. You can find out, you know, you can listen to past messages. You can find out what's new in our church. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefields with an S, whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday here on uh, Grace FM. We have a show called Life in the Field, which is kind of an allusion to the sense that we live our lives in God's mission field. And we meet every, or sorry, we are on every weekday here on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So if you're not in church for some reason on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., tune in and you can hear our show then. Let's go to Ian in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Ian. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. What's up? Hey, so my question is, is it possible to over-spiritualize things in life? Um, I guess I'm thinking of Ephesians 6, I think it's 6, 12, where it talks about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. And so I know that some people, certain denominations, think that, you know, demonic forces are behind every bad thing that happens in life. And so I just wanted to get your take, is that something you believe, or, I mean, is it possible to have bad, quote-unquote, bad things happen in your life that aren't related to demonic forces? Yeah, so absolutely it's possible to over-spiritualize things. Um, If anything, though, I think the Bible tends to tell us that we under-spiritualize. You know, I'm thinking of Mm -hmm. specifically there was a, a time when uh, Elisha, the prophet, was out, and you know he's out, and these people are freaking out because they're like, "Oh, we're surrounded, we're all alone," you know, and you know there's no one here to help us. And and Elisha prays to God and says, "You know, God, open his eyes to see, you know, this army of angels that's surrounding us. Help him to see the spiritual plane." And you know mm-hmm. the, the servant of Elisha's eyes are open, and he sees the spiritual plane. He sees that they're surrounded by all these angels who are fighting for them. And so I think that you know more often than not, Paul is even in the New Testament. Paul is encouraging us not to neglect the spiritual aspect of things. So right, like he says, mm-hmm. I don't want you to be unaware of these things. He says that about spiritual right. gifts. He says it about. Um, things regarding the eschaton, right, like eschatology, and he talks about it uh, in regard to um, spiritual warfare as well. So I think that's more of our tendency, but I, I'm totally with you, Ian, that there are some people who who go even further than maybe is necessary sometimes, and they, sure. they tend to over-spiritualize things. So I think absolutely. You know, um, now I will I will give a little caveat to this, and I'll say that. Every sin ultimately is rooted in some form of the curse, right? Now, I guess your question, though, is it is like, say I get a cold, is that a demonic attack on me? 
Well, not necessarily. It could just be that they're bacteria and your immune system is bad and you got a cold, right? Like, um, you know, I, I was telling some people on the air last week, you know, seeking the will of God, like sometimes people get into the details and like, Hey, you know, God, should I wear the green pants or the blue pants? And God's like, I just want you to wear some (laughs) pants, bro. Like put on some pants, you know? And, um, (coughs) excuse me. So, uh, you know, I guess it, it really depends on the person. You know, I think there are some people who, tend to over-spiritualize. I think if we were to look at the scriptures, it'd probably lead us to believe that most people under-spiritualize. And so we want to find that balance. We do want to understand that all sin ultimately is a result of evil in the world, that the world was not meant to be a broken place. We were not meant to have sickness and poverty and all of these things. And and we can have, on the other hand, we can have what's called a under... uh, let's, Let's think of it in these terms underrealized and overrealized eschatology. So eschatology refers not only to like the timeline of the end times, what eschatology mm-hmm. refers to is everything that has to do with the eschaton, the final event, which is the return of Jesus, the defeat of Satan, the new heavens and the new earth, new bodies, all that, right? So mm-hmm. we can have an underrealized eschatology that doesn't acknowledge the fact that Jesus has come and he has kicked a hole in the wall of this world and brought in his kingdom in part, right? And so Mm -hmm. that's when we don't believe that anything, uh, you know, that God can do anything supernatural, right? Like there, there's no healing today and there's no, this, there's no spiritual warfare. It's that under spiritualizing. Now, on the other hand, you can have an over spiritualization in the sense of what we call an over realized eschatology. And this is where you believe not only that everything is spiritual warfare, like you're describing, but you also believe that, you know, this is when you get into like the prosperity teachings, that everybody mm-hmm. should be saved and everybody must be saved. And if they're not, there must be something wrong with them because they would say right. the reason is because the kingdom has come. And the answer to both of these is that the kingdom has come in part, but not in fullness. So we say already, but not yet. And, gotcha. um, and that, that's a really important part of understanding this whole spiritual aspect too. So cool. Thank you so much. That clears things up for me. Good. God bless you. And thank you for the call. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. You too. Bye. You're listening to Calvary live. This is pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields community church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have two open lines. The number to call 303 690 or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Lindsay in New Jersey. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, what's up? So I live in New Jersey, and I've lived in New Jersey for my whole life. I'm 23, so I'm going to be moving next week to South Carolina, Mm. and I have no family there. I don't have a job yet, so I'm just asking for some prayer requests. Okay. So you're moving to, do you say North Carolina? South. South Carolina. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's uh, let's pray for you. Yeah, that sounds like a big move at a young age. Are you moving there all, all alone? Um, my fiance lives down there, so I have like his family and him, but, um, I have family in Georgia, but nowhere like right near me. Yeah. So I can see that's a big step for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for, uh, Lindsay and her desire to just, um, have you 
be with her as she makes this big move. Lord, I pray for her. It sounds like she's got a lot going on in her life, uh, a new location, a new job, or, or she needs a job. Lord, we pray that you would provide that for her. And um, and this whole thing with uh, a new you know, fiancé and a new family situation down there. Lord, we pray that you'd be with her, that you would provide for her in everything that she needs, Lord, that you'd watch out for her. And thank you that as she goes, Lord, she's not alone because she because you're with her. And I pray that truly she would know you in that way as the, the companion who is ever faithful, even when, uh, even when she is alone and has no human companions. So, Lord, I pray that you would uh, provide for her. And in those moments of loneliness and missing her family, Lord, I pray that you would be ever closer to her. So, Lord, just give her confidence as she goes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lindsay, that's so the, the big bummer about this is you're not going to be able to listen to Calvary Live anymore. Is that right? Oh, yes, I am. I have the Hope FM app, so I'm oh, all in you got listening. It. All right, you're <laughs> dialed in. That's good to hear. All right, God bless you. God right. bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts over the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720 336 0897 again the text line 720-336-0897 looks like we have a couple calls coming in right now but you can get still give us a call we've got a few open lines um this sunday i was just preparing uh for our sunday message i like to do it on monday i find that it's a it's the best day i know that a lot of pastors take mondays off but monday's kind of my favorite day of the week i know that i might be unique in that way but i love uh Love working on Monday. I feel like I just get a, a jump start on the whole rest of the week. So I'm preparing for this coming Sunday's message. And I've, I've been telling you the other times I've been hosting the show that at our church we've been studying through Romans. And so this past Sunday, our worship pastor, Mike, taught. And he did a great job. Just look at Romans chapters, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And then I'm going to be teaching this coming Sunday. We're talking about Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 21. We're just studying you know, consecutively, verse by verse, through this book. And really excited about it. It's all about how God transforms our relationships. And so, uh, you know, if that's a topic that interests you, he talks first about how God transforms our relationship with him. Uh, the gospel transforms our relationship with, with God, that we no longer relate to him in the way that we used to. We relate to him in a completely different way uh, because of the gospel. And then he gets in this whole thing. We actually have a different relationship with ourselves now that we are, um, we have come to know the gospel. The gospel, on the one hand, humbles us, and on the other hand, it, uh, it fills us with so much confidence, knowing that the God of the universe loves us so much that he would uh, give his life for us. And we view ourselves not as those who come to be consumers, but as those who come to serve others with the gifts that God has given us. But it also, interestingly, tells us about how to deal with people who we don't like. And I think that that's nice. I appreciate the fact that the Bible is that honest, that it, it tells us, hey, probably there are going to be people in your life who you don't like. And here's how the gospel transforms the way that you view those people and the way that you relate to those people. So I'm really looking forward to teaching on that this coming Sunday. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you visit us. Check us out online. You can get all the information, service times and location, directions, all that good stuff at whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to Tim in maryland hi tim hey hi thank you for taking my call yeah what's up yeah so um i, I go to like an old line or mainline denominational church and when i started to ask the pastor one day about prophecy 
he kind of got squirmy on me, and he basically told me that their my denomination actually is like is more like preterism, which I'm not really familiar with totally. Mm-hmm. Where they think that everything in the Bible, all the prophecy has been fulfilled. Yeah. And I just I was surprised. I I started to ask simple questions. I mean, I don't really know about this, but I, the, you know, like the promises made to Mary about Jesus sitting on a literal throne in Jerusalem, and I mean, has that happened? Obviously, that hasn't happened. So, what what, what do we? What do I say? What what do I? How do I counteract this understanding? Because I I don't see that that's true yeah tim i would just encourage you to to read up on it and uh and educate yourself on the topic here's um i'll tell you this there there are a few views on this that view is very common now i'll tell you this so preterism it uh forget how the exact etymology of that word what it means but it basically means like what you're saying that most of the things in the um new testament Specifically, they're referring to the book of Revelation and Matthew 24 and 25 and Luke chapter 13. They believe that those things are not in the future, but they're actually in the past. And I guess you could say that there is a scale of preterism. I guess a spectrum is probably a better way to put it. There's a spectrum. So not all preterists believe the exact same things. And to the degree where... Uh, most, you, you would put it this way, to be a full preterist, I believe, is a heretical position. To be a partial preterist, I believe, is not a heretical position. Now, let me just okay. clarify what that means. To be a full preterist means that you believe that everything that's talked about um, in the Bible, it has already taken place. And that when when John is writing about what he's writing about, he wrote it. So they also, in order to do that, they, they also have to change the date of when they believe Revelation was written. And so, so let's, let's put it this way. Some preterists believe that Matthew 24 and 25 did take place in um, AD 70 when Titus and the Roman legions came in and sacked Jerusalem. Uh, that would be kind of like the light preterist position. And, and I think okay. that there's there's a pretty decent uh, argument to be made for that one. Now, the heavier preterist position, then they go into the book of Revelation, and then they say that Revelation also took place. And then the full preterist position even goes so far as to say that when it says that Jesus would return, that he did, in fact, return. In fa- and, and I was trying for a long time to understand how do they make that claim. Now, there's two things that they'll say usually on this. Well, let's say there's really that they'll say on this. And that is that they say uh, Jesus returned in an invisible way, kind of like, you know, kind of like that's what Jehovah's Witnesses also say. Um, uh-huh. But they'll say, which, which I again, I, I don't think we can accept because it says very clearly that when he comes, everyone will see him. Every eye will see, yeah. <laughs> right. And then the other, uh, the other position is that Jesus returned in judgment through... Titus and the Roman Legion, and that that is how Jesus returned, which I think is a kind of a twisting of words. It's um, it's trying to force something that is, I think, not in the text. And so um, I would just tell you this. I don't think that a partial preterist view, especially that light view that sees Matthew 24 and 25 as, as having taken place, I think there's a pretty good argument for that. Um, now, on the other hand, where it gets into the heavier preterist view, that's a position that I think... Um, was is shaped a lot by 
history, and it's shaped a lot by the fact that um, that view became popular during a time when um, when Israel, for example, did not exist as a state, and there was no, you know, there, no one would have ever predicted that Israel would be regathered into an actual nation state. And so that's right. when when that happened, and as the Zionist movement was rap ramping up before Israel became an official state, so this is like late 1800s until mid 20th century, um, then you had a increase in in what's called dispensational theology, which is what it sounds like um, you hold to, Tim. Um, and that is, you know, that you believe that uh, most of these things are yet to come. So I would just I encourage you to educate yourself on that. And, and yeah, I think that some of those arguments that they hold, um, you know, they, they don't stand on very much. But what? some of them, yeah. So anyway, that, that's all I would tell you how to approach it. I would tell you that unless they hold a full preterist position, they're not heretics. Um, it's just an interpretation, and it's also because you know you're attending a mainline church. A lot of that is stuff that's rooted in their tradition that they've held for a very long time, and it was developed a long time ago. Right. It just for me, it just you know, I feel like it rendered most of the Bible uh, irrelevant. I'm like, I you know, the whole thing about God's word being alive and well, and I'm thinking to myself, well, then we shouldn't even bother even open up the Old Testament. Then I, it just struck me as as I was surprised. Then, yeah, no, I can understand that. And even even this, I would tell you that uh, I think if we're really honest, and I think most preterists would agree with this statement, is that to read the Old Testament prophets, you have to understand that there's a dual fulfillment. And so there are, like I taught a class here at our church on minor prophets recently, and I really enjoyed doing it. But one of the things that you find is that um, there are things which the prophets predicted in the Old Testament which have been fulfilled in part. And so sometimes you'll, you'll get uh, dispensationalists, uh, and you know, that, that was kind of the group that I grew up in, Calvary Chapel, and uh, the, you know, who owned this radio station as well. They, they tend to be dispensationalists. And there are a lot of those um, arguments that they'll say, well, this is speaking of something in the future, but it's also referring, if you read it, it's actually referring to something that already did take place in the past. And so how do we reconcile those two things? The answer is that we understand that there was a past fulfillment, but that past fulfillment doesn't exactly meet up to the full letter of what it says in the Bible is going to take place. Right. I, I came across that in Zechariah 9 where it talked about, it says, Say to the daughter of Zion, look, your king comes to you riding on a colt. I, I read that one time, because that's, that's, that, that's in like Matthew, I think, right? Yes, that's right. Right, but the verse before that talks about Ephraim being destroyed. I'm thinking, Ephraim, what, 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 how does that mix into that? Yeah, you know, and so well to be clear, no effort and, at the time of Jesus, something, and well, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, that one verse might have been fulfilled, but everything else in that chapter hasn't been. It doesn't make any sense to. That's that right, and that gets into why a lot of the New Testament, <clears throat> as it's used in the Old Testament, is is very interesting. What we call hermeneutics, in the sense of how it's interpreted in the New Testament, and what the way that the Old Testament is used in the New Testament is very interesting, and what it leads us to is exactly that thing I was just saying to you, and which you already apparently have realized in your own reading, is that um, the New Testament will say, okay, this happened, but it has a two-tiered meaning. So in other words, right. there was a historical uh, meaning, but yet it didn't fulfill fully what the prophet said would happen. So like, for example, um, I'm trying to think of a really good example. Um, 
I'm not finding one off the top of my head, but I, I will tell you in general, this is a general theme from a yes, lot of the minor I, prophets, which is that Israel will be scattered and sent into exile, which took place, and then they will be regathered, which did now, take place. Don't forget. Now, can that I go that, back with what you just said? You said Israel will be scattered. Well, Israel was scattered. The northern kingdom was. Well, but then Judah, Judah was scattered in 70 AD. That's where I get confused with. You just said Israel. Everybody thinks Israel is. I think well, Israel is the northern me, kingdom, right? L let me clarify that. Okay, so here's here's what um, here's what it says. Israel is the northern kingdom. Judah is the southern kingdom. Here's what right. it says is going to happen. Both of them are taken into exile. Israel's taken into exile in Assyria, and then many hundreds of years later, actually, um, Judah is taken into exile in Babylon. And what it says is going to happen in the Minor Prophets, it says that Judah and Israel will be reunited, and then they will be regathered to the land. Now, here's the thing. That did happen. They were reunited in the Babylonian kingdom, which later became the Persian kingdom. Because the Babylonian kingdom took over Assyria, Assyria fell to Babylon, and then Babylon fell to Persia, and during that time all of the Jewish exiles were reunited, and then together they came back in what is called the Second Temple Period, which is the time, like this is what we read about in like Nehemiah, and then up until the time of Jesus, that's all considered the Second Temple Period. They rebuilt the temple right. and, and all that, okay. and so during that time the Judah and Israel were reunited. Now, can I ask you a quick question? Then I, I don't. This could go on. We could go on for hours with this. But can you read Jeremiah three eighteen? Do you have that readily handily available? Sure, I can pick it up for you. But I, I want to uh, just finish what I'm uh, okay. trying to tell you, which is this. Um, he says. It, so, in other words, when we read that the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom they will be reunited and they will be regathered to the land, <clears throat> we need to understand one thing: that that has happened, but. Also, does that mean that it won't happen again? No. I believe that we're, we're oh. seeing that happen again. And then here's why. Because it says that they will be reunited again and then the Savior will come and not only as the suffering servant, but he will come as the reigning king. And that's my whole point is that these verses have two-tiered fulfillment. I there's see. a historical fulfillment and there's an eschatological fulfillment which is still yet to come. Now I, I hope that doesn't sound confusing. I hope that's clear, but that's I, that's I, really I key. I, I think I got it. I, I just I just never knew that the two kingdoms united at the second temple. I, I didn't know that. I because I was stuck on Jeremiah three eighteen where it says they reunite when the Lord sits on his throne. That's why I was yeah, asking well, you. Yeah, well, let's read that. It says, In those days the house of Judah shall join the house of Israel. Together they shall come from the land of the north to the land that I gave your fathers for a heritage. Okay, so understand what he's predicting is something that was fulfilled. But now, but hold, hold, yet, go back and read 17. That's why I was asking you. Because 17 sure. says that that happens when the Lord sits on his glorious throne and Jesus is not on his throne yet. Right. All the nations shall gather to it. The presence of the Lord in Jerusalem, they shall no longer stubbornly follow their own evil heart. Right. Um, and so has that happened? Um, so the Jewish no, people right? would say, well, I'll tell you this, how Jewish people read this, which I think is important to think about. Maybe not important to take wholeheartedly, but it's important to think about. The Jewish people take that and they say, well, God was symbolically reigning because they rebuilt the temple and the Shekinah glory came back into the new temple. Right. Now, now I'm just going to explain to you that I, I understand this to have a two-tier fulfillment. In one sense, 
Judah and Israel were rejoined in the second temple period. But did the king sit on the throne and reign no. over the whole earth? No. So that's uh -huh. something we look forward to in the in the meantime. So I'm going to have okay. to let you go because we're coming up on our break. Yeah. But hey, thank you. Thank you very so interesting thank discussion. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you. Uh, you're yeah. listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We are coming up on our mid-show break. Um, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us 720-336-0897. Uh, now's a great time to call in. We'll get you in right after the break. And we'll be back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 or text us, 720-336-0897. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life that you'd like uh, pastoral advice on. And we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you if you have a prayer request. Give us a call or text us. Uh, let's go to Charles on line two. Hey, Charles, welcome to the program. Pretty good. Can you hear me all right? I can. Perfect. Yeah, I pulled over here in Castle Rock at uh, Calvary Castle Rock to get some food at Jack in the Box so I wouldn't have to drive. <laughs> all right. What's up? So, um, first of all, I want to thank um, the Lord for giving the blessings for people such as yourself and your program to um, for believers to be able to uh, come to you for questions and share the love and the gospel um, of God. Um, yeah, it's, with a, the it's a great with the multitude, ministry. Multitude of people. For sure. Um, so, this past weekend, I had the opportunity for my third time now to go to a men's retreat uh, through the uh, Mountain Men Revival Group out of uh, Colorado Springs up in uh, Woodland Park. Okay. And so um, I find every time, you know, as soon as you come off the mountain, Satan tries to attack you and just, and just tear down everything, that you, all the goodness that you get. Mm. Um, and I guess the, uh, what I'm looking for is prayers for a continual um, um outlook on uh, staying focused on everything you know that we learn when we go to these men's retreats yeah and because uh, it's it's so it's such a wonderful moving experience when you, when you go and i would highly encourage anybody if they've never any men or women's group if they've never been to an experience to go because it's it's so moving and it does so much in your life to strengthen you with god mm. and and, uh, and charles i think you'd probably agree with me that um i remember i used to teach at some retreats like that and you know, one of the messages that I always made sure to preach like on the last night would be, you know, we, we've had this great experience. Like Jesus, you know, takes his disciples, the three, his inner circle, they go up on top of the mountain, they see Jesus transfigured. You know, that's like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And right. then uh, Peter, of course, says, hey, let's, let's set up some tents and let's just stay here because it's good that we're here. And Jesus says, no, that's not what we're going to do. Uh, we're going right. to go back down into the valley and we're right. going to go minister to the people. 
And I think that's so important that the, the reason for the mountaintop experiences is so that we can come back down into the valley and right. live differently, serve differently. And so uh, that's awesome, man. I think those mountaintop experiences are, are really important and essential, but they are important and essential so that we can live differently in the valley. Right, and, and, as, and as well as learning how to, um, like like your radio station says, uh, be more doers than hearers, to come down and to be more, you know, intimate in going out and, you know, spreading the word. And, and like our topic this weekend was being a kingdom man. And uh, it was it was it was mind boggling for me, and, and there was a lot of things. You know, it's just like I said, it's my third year, and each year I go, you know, you get something. Everything's you get new things every time you go. Yeah, and and, and it's wonderful. But for my prayer request is uh, for all the brothers that were up there, and and as well as myself, um, to keep us whole and complete on uh, being diligent about doing, uh, coming back down from the mountain, and and doing more instead of just, you know, being yeah. stagnant. Sure. Well, let me pray for you. Heavenly thank Father, I pray for Charles, and I pray for the other men who were up with him at that men's retreat. And just thank you, Lord, for these kind of mountaintop experiences. Thank you that uh, there are times when we get away and we seek you, and you are faithful to speak to us and meet us in those places. And I pray that, Lord, you would strengthen Charles, and I pray that uh, his, his uh, weekend will translate into a, a life lived differently now here in the valley, so to say, after his mountaintop experience. And we remember uh, Peter, James, and John going up on the mountain and seeing you, Jesus, transfigured. And we we remember uh, you. your will was not for them to stay there, but for them to go back down into the valley and minister to people because of what they had seen and experienced. And so I pray that that would be the case for Charles and the other men who are up at that men's retreat. And, um, and Lord, truly, may, may they live transformed lives, and may that fire, may they stoke it, may they kindle it so that it is not burned out, so that it doesn't uh, you know, burn out without fuel. And so, yeah. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, guide them. I pray for everybody else listening, Lord, just coming off of Sunday and, and good experiences at church. Lord, I pray that, uh, truly, you would keep stoking the flames of those fires, and, Lord, that... Um, that we truly would live differently on Monday because of Sunday. And we pray that in Jesus' yes. name. Amen. Amen. Yes, I'm getting ready to do a, kind of do a leap of faith here. Um, it was one of the uh, kind of like challenges from somebody, which was really weird, was uh, they brought it forward, and I had already been thinking about it because I did it once when I was younger, was uh, start doing some pr uh, prison ministries. Hey, man, God bless you. You know, we do we do a little bit of that here. We have some uh, some brothers in the church who do ministry up in the Larimer County Jail just north of us and um, hey I God bless you in that that's an important ministry yeah it's a it's a it's a very it's 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 not a scary thing it's just a, a, another challenge but you know what after what God's given me I've been back with the Lord now for going almost on four years now and for what God has given me there's nothing I can ever do enough back for what he's given me so it's it's just you know I'm doing awesome, what I man. have to do Awesome. God bless you. Hey, thanks for calling well, thank in. We'll for, talk to you later. Thank you for your program. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. You're, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Uh, the number to call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Jeremiah in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Hey, Jeremiah, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing today? 
Doing well. What's up? Good, uh, so my question was, I'm at the Abrahamic, Abrahamic Covenant, where uh, if we bless them, we will be blessed, but if you curse them, we will be cursed. Does that only apply to nations, or can that apply to individuals as well? And if it does apply to individuals, how do we as individuals uh, bless bless that so we can receive blessing in return? That's a good question. I um, Yeah, I think, first of all, yeah, it applies both on a corporate level and on an individual level. I think it does still apply. I just taught through Romans 9, 10, and 11. And the whole thing there is this, like, even though Israel has been unfaithful or faithless to God, God has remained faithful to them. He, he hasn't reneged on his promises to them or his election of them. And that's really good news for us because it means that even when we are faithless, like it says in, in James, right? Like, even though, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful because, or I'm sorry, that's like First Timothy, that he cannot deny himself. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that's really important. And it means that, you know, the Abrahamic covenant, it still, it still stands in the sense that, you know, whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you um, will be cursed. Uh, so, yeah, I do think that applies. Now, how that plays out on a personal level, I'm not exactly sure. Like, I'm not sure how you are going to go about blessing them. But what, yeah, it, right. what, it, okay. what it comes down to, I was reading in Romans 11, you know, and he makes it very clear. There's a big section there, you know, that whole part where he talks about how there's a, he goes, imagine an olive tree and some of the natural branches have been cut off. He's speaking, so some of the ethnic Jewish people have been cut off from the chosen people of God so that these wild branches, which is those who are not Jewish, who believe in Jesus as Messiah, can be grafted into that tree, which is the chosen people of God, right? But he says, don't forget that you are a wild branch. And it's not you who supports the tree. It's the tree that supports you. And his whole point there, remember who he's writing to. He's writing to Rome, which... You know, you think about the city of Rome, and of course they had racism back then, and of course they would be racist towards Israel, because you know, if you look at the Roman Empire and the history of it, Israel was um, the kind of this, and I don't want to say this in a negative way, but I mean, for the, for the, per, from the perspective of the Roman government, it was always kind of a, a thorn in their side. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they were always trying to break away. They insisted on doing their own religion. Did you know that Judaism was the only um, religion that was an exclusive religion that was allowed in the Roman Empire because they, they had a policy that, hey, you can believe whatever you want to believe, very much like today in our society, but don't tell anybody that their religion is wrong and that yours is the only right one. Well, Judaism was the only exclusive religion that was actually allowed in the Roman Empire. That's why when Christianity came along, it was so controversial because Christians were, in fact, exclusive about Jesus. Um, and it's part of the reason why Christianity was an illegal religion for the first, um, you know, almost 300 years. But the point being that what he's saying there is that there's no room for Christians to ever be anti-Semitic. And so I think that's really the key. I mean, you know, throughout, that's not something that we deal with a lot nowadays that much is anti-Semitism, at least not here in the U.S. Um, but it, it has been a thing throughout history and it is still uh, an issue in other parts of the world. I used to live in Hungary for 10 years um, before I moved here to Colorado. And yeah, I mean, anti-Semitism is alive and well in mm -hmm. that part of the world. And, um, you know, so I think, I don't know how you're going to go about blessing Israel on an individual level.
But, um, you know, it says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, pray for, you know, I, I think about, this is a great example, actually. Paul says in Romans 10, verse 4, I believe it is, he says, I pray for them. I pray for their salvation. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, he, he talks about that blessing the Israeli remnant, the true believers who are of Jewish heritage, who believe in Jesus. And he says, I pray for them that they would be saved. So maybe that's the best way to do it. Mm, okay. Like cool. it. Yeah, you bet. God bless you. Thanks, Jeremiah. Yep. You're listening Thanks. to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. Um, let's go to Bonnie in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Bonnie. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Pastor Nick. How you doing? I'm doing great. What's up? Um, well, I just said a very big prayer request. Um, uh, well, it all started back in April when um, my husband was in the hospital, and it made our rent go um, late for several months. And now our um, our leasing office is not renewing our lease. So I just want to pray that I get a job and that um, that we find a place as soon as possible. Yeah, let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, okay. I pray for Bonnie, and I, I thank you, Lord, that she realizes that you are the God who provides. And I, I remember the story from the from book of Genesis where you said that you are the God who sees and you are the God who hears, and you said that in the context of somebody who is destitute and really on hard times. And so, Lord, I, I remember, Bonnie, in that sense, Lord, that you are the God who sees her situation, and you are the God who hears her prayers, and you are the God who is able to provide above and beyond anything she can ask or imagine. And so, Lord, I do pray that. I pray that you would provide for her in whatever way you choose to do that. Oh, Lord, it would be great for her to have a job. It would be great for her to uh, have a gift, whatever it might be. Lord, I pray that Bonnie would be able to make ends meet and be able to pay the rent so that she has a place to live. Lord, please uh, take care of her. We don't want to see her in uh, financial straits or going out on the street. So, Lord, we pray for your provision in her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Nick. I really appreciate that. Absolutely, Bonnie. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. All right. right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got all open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Looks like we've got some text messages that have come in in the meantime. So let's go over to those. Um, Someone texts in asking, Is there a biblical resource online to aid Christians with the upcoming election in Colorado? Um, You know, I'm not really aware of one, except that I just did a quick search and I found this website called ChristianVoterGuide.com. And you can uh, go to different uh, regions, it looks like. So they have a West region. They have one for the state of Colorado as well as for, um, you can look at party platforms and things like that. You can get... um, you can get information on different representatives and senators and, uh, and probably on the governor's race as well. So perhaps that would be a good one. I haven't really read through it in detail, christianvoterguide.com. Um, I would also just encourage you, you know, rather than, um, you know, taking somebody else's word for it, I would encourage you to look into 
the different platforms and then consider that in light of scripture. Consider it in light of what do the scriptures say on issues of social justice? What do the scriptures say on issues of, um, you know, human rights and things like that and, and right and wrong? So I would encourage you to consider those things and pray about it and, uh, and also get out there and vote in November. So thank you for that question. God bless you. Number to call 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us 720-336-0897. We see here, uh, we've got another question. Uh, Pastor Nick, where do you think the pride in Lucifer's heart came from? while he was an angel in heaven? Yeah, it gets a great question, you know, and it gets to the two other questions which people often ask, which is this. Um, so with angels, right, they don't have original sin in the sense that human beings do. But it seems that they have free will in the sense that they have the choice to rebel against God or not rebel against God. And so even the sense of predestination election doesn't seem to be a factor with angels. Uh, neither do we have the issue of original sin. So in the one sense, you know, we say that, yes, we have all chosen to sin as human beings. But in another sense, um, we are also sinners not just because we sin. We sin because we are sinners by nature. It's a nature that we're born with. It's a heart that needs to be replaced and can only be replaced in and through Jesus Christ. That's the hope of the gospel. Um, so where do I think it came from? I think it came, um, you know, in us, it's like we have this bound up within us, this evil. I think that um, with the with the angel, I mean, this was, where did it come from? I think it came from his choice. I think it came from envy, not being satisfied with where he was and you know pride really is the root of all sin right and that there's also in that sense of pride it's a sense that he was deserving of more that he had and he was questioning the character of god right so he didn't believe he didn't want god to rule over him and he was unsatisfied with what he had been given by god and i think both of those are really important warnings for us you know are you satisfied with where you are in life what god has given you or are you, on the other hand, are you questioning the character and goodness of God? I mean, that was essentially what Lucifer encouraged Adam and Eve to do in the garden, was to question the goodness of God and whether God had their best interest in mind, actually. And so, uh, anyway, great question. And, you know, that might be one that we only know the answer to fully when we, uh, when we get to heaven, we have eternity to ask God all of our questions that we never got answered here on earth. But thank you for that question. Very good. Uh, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's uh, go to some more text questions. I'm just uh, sorting through these. Uh, one person says, I'm reading Genesis right now, and I'm curious why it seems that there was so much incest back then. If incest is a bad thing, why did the Lord allow it to happen so much? Good question. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, okay. On the one hand, there's a couple factors here. Number one, uh, this is before the law. Don't forget that these are things which happened before the law. So the law that said that incest is wrong uh, only came about 
at the time of Moses. I mean, that's thousands of years later after the creation. And so there's that. The number other second factor is this. You know, we had a question last week saying like, hey, where did Cain get his wife? It says that Cain had a wife. I thought it was just like Adam and Eve. They had two sons. One of them killed the other one. And now there's three people in the world. And then it says they had another son named Seth. And Seth had a son. Well, how did Seth have a son? It, well, I mean, we're able to do the math and think that through, right? No matter, even if you believe in an evolutionary model, you have, everybody believes this, that the very first people essentially had to have children with their direct relatives at least for a couple generations until there were enough people to populate the earth. And, and even if that weren't enough, think about this. When you get to Adam, or I'm sorry, when you get to Noah, and eight people get saved from the flood. Well, those eight people are then given a charge from God to repopulate the earth. And so that means cousins, at minimum, are needing to marry each other and have babies together. Now, somebody say, well, isn't that bad? Well, it, it is bad for us to do that for several reasons. One of them is genetic. Now, let's talk about the genetic piece. You know, let's put it this way. The closer you are to the original, the less um, problems you're going to have with the genetic pool. So the less uh, issues with the genetic pool, the purer genetic pool, let's say. So you're not going to have the genetic threats that we might have in our day in that sense. As, because here's, here's really what the Bible is teaching, uh, is that rather than evolving, we are devolving. We are going from good and orderly to... Uh, disorder and we're going to you know from goodness we've how we're under a curse so we're going from goodness and order to bad and disorder and you can see this in many areas I, I've talked about this once before but this is something that always fascinates me when I study Genesis is that you see that there is this trend from uh, believing in one God and moving towards polytheism and ultimately towards animism which is where you worship nature and that's the exact opposite of what a lot of modern uh, anthropology would have us believe. A lot of modern anthropology says, well, you know, the way that came about is that people originally were animistic because they couldn't answer questions like, why is it raining or why is the wind blowing? And so they believed that everything was a god and therefore they worshipped all these things also to get what they wanted, like they needed rain for their crops. So they, they worshipped the, you know, the sun god and the, the rain and all of these things. And so they, they say, oh, well, we moved from animism, worshiping nature, to becoming more sophisticated in which we worshiped abstract gods uh, of our own creation, which were polytheism, right? So that's where you believe in multiple gods. And they say, well, that's the next stage of development as you become more sophisticated after animism. And then the next stage beyond that is monotheism, where you believe in one god, one supreme god. And then they would say, you know, Christianity is just the development of a cultural anthropology that believes in the development of God that's getting more and more sophisticated over time. What's so interesting about the Bible is that it gives us the exact opposite anthropology. It says, in the beginning, there was God and man and a woman, and they knew each other. The man was in relationship with God. And the problem wasn't that man didn't know God. The problem was that man didn't want God to be his boss. He didn't want to submit to God, and he would believed the lie that what God wanted was not actually good for him. And so he rebelled against God. And as we see in Genesis, what happens is that man rebels against God, turns away from God, creates 
his own gods so that he can worship what he wants and gets what he wants out of life. And then uh, from that, then we see that it says in Romans chapter 1 that the ultimate form of degradation is that we actually start uh, worshiping um, created things. Now, whether that's animism and worshiping nature or what we do more commonly in our culture, which is worshiping material goods and consumer goods, uh, that's the ultimate degradation of man is when we stop worshiping God and we start worshiping things. And so I hope that answers your question. There, there's a, is the reason why incest was done. Well, I mean, even even if you don't believe the Bible, you have to think through that. I mean, logically, incest took place at times throughout history, what we now call incest. But it, first of all, it wasn't wrong, again, because this predates the law. And secondly, it was necessary. And so, uh, and, and thirdly, I guess I would say, because of the gene pool being better, it wasn't as much of a danger. So I hope that answers your question. Very, very thoughtful, good question. Thank you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have five minutes left in the show, and we have all open lines. So if you'd like to give us a call, now is a great time. Give us a call at uh, 303 690 3,000. It's 303-690-3,000. we probably got time for one more call if anybody wants to call in now. Or you can text us 720-336-0897. We have uh, several text messages that have come in and uh, let's go ahead and look at a few of those. One person asks, Nick, can you tell me what is the third heaven? I always thought there was just one heaven. Uh, the third heaven refers to the Bible speaks of like three levels of heaven. You can think of it this way. Um, there is the heavens that we see. The Bible calls that the heavens, right? And that's like the sky, the atmosphere. You know, this is the area where airplanes fly. Then you have the second heaven, which would be kind of the stratosphere. This is beyond our planet. This is like outer space. And then the third heaven is referring to the place where God dwells. And um, we don't believe that that's like on beyond outer space. That's where God dwells. But we believe this is the spiritual plane. And so when Paul says like in uh, in his letter to the Corinthians that he was caught up to the third heaven and he saw things that were unspeakable, what he's talking about is that uh, my personal opinion, I believe that this happened during the time when Paul was stoned to death in um, it's Acts chapter 14. And he gets stoned to death in this village and they leave him to die because they're sure that he's dead. And I think that he had a kind of out-of-body experience where he perhaps even went, you know, got a glimpse of heaven and then he came back. And so I don't know if that's what happened or not, but it would it would line up, it seems like. But Paul got a vision. He got a glimpse of heaven and he saw things that were unspeakable. And I, you know what I think about that, I love about that, is that Paul got this glimpse of heaven and how did it change his life? It caused him to come back and live his life in a completely different way, right? But what was that way? Well, it was he's like, I've got one life to live, and I'm going to live it to the fullest for God. I was telling our church here in Longmont the other day, you know, there are some things that you can only do here on earth that you will not be able to do in heaven. Did you know that? Like, And so when you think about that, that you've got one life to live, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that Jesus died so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but they might live for him who for their sakes died and was resurrected. And so what does that mean to not live for ourselves, but to live for him? 
Well, I, I look at the Apostle Paul, and this is a man living wholeheartedly sold out, knowing that there are only uh, a few things that he can do in this life that he will not be able to do in heaven. So in heaven, we're going to be able to see God, we're going to be able to know God, we're going to be able to worship God, but the things that we won't be able to do in heaven, we won't be able to evangelize to people whose uh, eternity lies in the balance. We won't be able to help a person who is hurting. You know that because in heaven... There won't be any more hurting. There won't be any more tears. There won't be any more need. You, you won't be able to help a person who is in need because in heaven there won't be any more needs. So like we had the caller earlier, Bonnie in Baltimore, you know, in great need financially. You know, that's something which, you know, we can help people in situations like that now. That's something that we can only do in this life. And so um, I think those are the things that are worth considering, that Paul, when he got a view of the third heaven, he came back to this life and he lived with all the more conviction and all the more that he was going to live his life wholeheartedly, sold out for Jesus. And uh, that just uh, encourages me that if I really understood the gospel, if I really understood what awaits me in eternity, uh, I would I would live with even more so, wholeheartedly sold out for Jesus. And I, I pray that, that would be the case. Looks like we had a caller on line one, but we unfortunately don't have time to take that call. Dear caller, please call back on Wednesday. I'll be hosting then as well. As for now, thank you for tuning in today. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Uh, you can hear this show every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. We encourage you to tune in, have different pastors taking your calls and texts on the air. My name is Pastor Nick Cady, and I look forward to being with you again. God bless you, and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.